On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, we look back on the rivalry game in Utah's 30-12 win in Provo over the BYU Cougars. Look ahead to this Saturday's early morning affair with Northern Illinois at Rice-Eccles Stadium. That and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Hi, this is Utah sports writer Jim Burton, author of the new book, Sidelined, behind-the-scenes look at some of my favorite sports stories. It's available on Amazon, and you are listening to the Deseret News Ute Insider Podcast. Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Fazer, joined here in our downtown Salt Lake City studios by Jody Genesee and Mike Sorensen. Guys, welcome to another edition. Glad to be here. It's great to be here. It is, isn't it? Let's talk about uh, Ute Nation right now. They're reveling in the 30-12 to 12 win over BYU. Jody, what was your big takeaway from the game? Uh, you know, I, I tweeted out this morning uh, some detailed analysis. Utah is better than BYU. I mean, we make yeah, a big deal about this, but that simply put, they, they are better. <clears throat> they forced BYU into errors. Uh, I think Zach Moss is an amazing talent, and you know, I, I think the Utes need to take him as far as they can go. The defense is as good as we expected. So I, I thought that was a terrific way to start the season. What do you think, Sorny? I would call it like a, a solid win, you know, nothing that was unexciting. It was Some people call it boring maybe because there wasn't a lot of passing, but they just kind of just did what they're supposed to do. You know, their defense was, like he said, solid, and their offense was maybe not a real thrilling, but they got the job done, and, you know, the special teams struggled, and that can hopefully be corrected. But on the whole, it's a good week for them. Yeah, I mean, it was a good start. Obviously, ninth straight win in the rivalry game. The thing that caught me was the number of pick sixes and uh, just defensive touchdowns that Utah's had in the last several years in this rivalry. And uh, I think there's a joke out there that, you know, Zach Wilson's always wanted to throw touchdowns for Utah, and so far he's thrown three, right, <laughs> over the last two years. Kind of a mean thing, but Bunch. a reality there. But, uh, you know, I thought that was very impressive that they did that. Jody, what do you think uh, that leads to those things? Did you feel like Wilson was just trying to force things a little bit too much, or is it the fact that he's throwing a, a talented defense? Yeah, I mean, I, both. I think the talented defense gets should get more credit than him trying to press things, but he certainly did, you know, on one of the pick sixes. He basically was hucking it away, and, and it was a desperation pass, and, and the Utes uh, made him pay for it, but uh, the reason it was desperation pay is because Utah defenders were all over him, and so I I think that that pressure... I, I've seen some, uh, some tweets and, and so Social media uh, buzz about U- BYU not being that far away from from Utah, and perhaps that's true. But if this, if they made this mistake here or this little mental error here, well, when you're going against a superior opponent, that's what you do. You make mental errors. That's what Utes forced BYU into was mental and physical errors. I yeah. thought, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, I thought he looked really good. You know, he ran the ball great. He's a great runner for a quarterback. And his passing for the hole was, was I thought, was very good. But you got to realize Utah might have one of the best secondaries, you know, maybe in the whole country. I mean, they got four solid guys back there. And I, I just looked at some of the – I went back and looked at the – the tape, you know, I hadn't seen. I heard about what a horrible telecast it was, so I had to to see for myself part was of it. Horrible, yeah, it was. That wasn't too good, yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I just noticed there were maybe two or, or three more times where Utah almost had another pick. You know, they could have had even more interceptions. Right. They came that close. So I mean, that, I think it's just a very good secondary that he was going against. Maybe it's be the best he faces all year. Who knows? Well, and Julian Blackman to do it two years in a row, and they're related too, aren't they? Zach Wilson. That's what I hear. 
So well, they've got some type of connection there. There's some connection there, <laughs> family and or not, but uh, maybe as a playbook. Uh, Utah got off to kind of a sluggish start, but obviously turned it on toward the end. Uh, do you think BYU just wore down? Was it the talent difference that made ultimately separated these teams? You know, I think one thing that impressed me was how Utah just stayed to their game plan. You know, I think maybe last year Troy Tater might have started, started to worry, you know, that after all the lack of yards the first half, start hucking the ball up there. And they just said, no, we're not going to worry about it. We'll just keep going up the middle with Zach Moss, like 10 other first 11 plays, the second half were running plays, and then it just wore them down, and before you know it, they had control of the game. So they didn't panic. They just said, oh, we're going to go with our game plan, and it worked. And Jody, obviously, Tyler Huntley was 13 of 16, uh, only for 106 yards passing, but the accuracy was there because they had uh, you know the, the wide-open drop by a, a tight end in the game, and then obviously you had uh, one of the passes get tipped, so he was really only threw one bad, bad pass the whole game. Is there something to be said for that? I mean, you're not getting a big yardage, but you are accurate when you are throwing the ball. He had the best quote of the game, too. <laughs> I don't know if it was the best uh, quote. Yeah, the most, yeah, the, the most talked stinky, about. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, I think that when you have a running back that plays like Zach Moss does, and you have a defense that's going to that's going to create 14 points for you, I mean, really, you need somebody who can manage the game well, and Tyler does that. And we, we know that he can have bigger numbers, and, and he'll get more production from his receivers in the future, but to be successful, they don't need him to do too much, which is a really great position for a quarterback to be in. And he's a smart kid. He's a good leader. I think he knows how to manage the game, and that's exactly what uh, Kyle uh, wants right now. Well, and obviously you do what the defense gives you, right? I mean, and they're packing the box in, and you know, it opens certain things up. And I think uh, it was a it was a good day for the Utes to run the football. And Zach Moss was impressive. Uh, Zach Moss went from number seven on Utah's all time rushing uh, list to number three with his performance. Um, he now has uh, two thousand eight hundred and thirty eight yards. He's closing in on Tony Lindsay uh, for number two, and Eddie Johnson at thirty two nineteen is the all time leading rusher. If Moss stays healthy. He should uh, should get that mark and be Utah's all-time leading rusher. 187 yards against BYU on 29 carries. Can he carry the ball, Mike, 29, 30 times a game, or do they have to cut that number down maybe around 18 to 20? I think he can. I don't see why not. You remember uh, old timers? Remember Carl Monroe? He used to run forty times a game. You know, and he was. Is he number? What's he on the list? Is he he I only went for two years. That's right. He only went for two years, but he had a couple of great seasons back in the eighties. I think he but had no. the single season record for a yeah, long he time. did. So I think 30, 30 touches a game, whether it's passing, you know, a couple of maybe five receptions and twenty five rushes. But I think thirty times a game is what they want. It allows them to get into a rhythm. I think you know it opens the the door for some bigger gains. As as well, so I would like to see him in the in the more of the twenty to twenty five range. Honestly, I would like to see a little bit more production. I like the 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 game management that Tyler Hentley has, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more passing. So there isn't quite so much of an expectation on Zach's uh, shoulder. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that he's a strong runner, and uh, it would be fun to see some of the other guys get some some touches as well, though. But he's so terrific that you just want to give give it to him every time. And we'll see some more passing. I think the fact BYU's defense they're that they had three man fronts out there, so you know Utah just said, "We'll just keep running the ball." Right. If they're going to drop seven or eight guys back, you know, so Utah took what the defense gave them, and so as other teams start to maybe put more guys up front to stop the run, it'll open up the passing game, and then the, that should get going. And then obviously uh, lack of chunk plays, but was that a big deal? I mean, in a game like this, uh, obviously you're not going to get a lot of uh, deep throws. I found it kind of ironic that Jalen Dixon, the deep threat receiver, scores a touchdown running the ball on that 
two-yard rush. So is that the time to push the panic button, or do you guys feel like Utah has some guys that can get some big chunk plays in the future? And maybe against Northern Illinois and Idaho State the next two weeks. I'm not going to push any panic buttons. <laughs> no, I think that'll come. I mean, they did what they had to do to win this game. the the chunk The chunk plays came on the defense this time, and they've got the 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 talent. They the receivers will get some of those chunk plays. I I feel in the future, the Britton Covey Covey will get his legs underneath him a little bit more, and and right. he's a, a a big time chunk play guy. I I'm not too worried about it. Well, Eventually, yeah. they need to have them, but right now, I'm not worried. Well, and you're right about the defense making the big plays. Francis Bernard, 58-yard uh, pick six, and Julian Blackman, 39-yard uh, interception return for a touchdown. So a couple big plays there. Um, what about the kicking game, Mike? You had a chance to talk to the kickers at practice or, or talk to uh, Jaden Redding. Will the Utes be okay, a kicker? Um, I think they'll be okay, but I don't think they're going to be great. You know, Matt Gaze is a, and, you know, Andy Phillips, those are a couple of tough guys to replace, and they were so automatic for, was automatic Andy, they called him for a while, and Matt Gay comes in and he's even better. So I feel sorry for anyone who has to replace those guys, because even if they're pretty good, they're, they're not going to be as good, I don't think, as those guys. And obviously, Andrew Strau had his problems last week, and the guys on TV kept blaming the holder, which I don't know if that, I think he was just pulling those balls with his left foot. But this Jaden Redding is an interesting fellow. I did talk to him yesterday, and he comes from Virginia, and it's funny, a kid couldn't even give me an answer on how he came to Utah. He just said, oh, one person talked to another person, and he talked to another person, and somehow and so I, and I ended so up here, so you know. So, uh, you know, he never gave me a straight answer exactly, but, you know, he said, um, the coach Whittingham said he was actually number one kicker in early in camp, and he got injured. He injured his kicking leg for two weeks, and he didn't kick very much, so they went with the other guy. So it's not like they're going deep to find another kicker. This guy is right up there with maybe even better than Strau, so I think they'll be decent. He does kick it higher than uh, Strau does, which, you know, will be less likely to be blocked. Right. His range, he said he can hit him from 50, but, you know, maybe, I mean, that's... They can just get uh, you know the extra points every time, and then the short field goals that'll be that'll be good for them this year. So I think they'll be okay, but not not great. Well, we had, we had talked about Ben Lennon didn't have experience holding for a lefty, and so they exactly. thought that they had ironed out the wrinkle, you know, got that fixed in in fall camp, but apparently that came back to haunt them a little bit. But Coach Whittingham actually brought you know was asked about that at his press conference uh, earlier this week, and he mentioned that it is a challenge to have a lefty kick and a, and a right-handed kicker you know it's being a holder in that situation it's a completely different game things are the exact opposite so <laughs> you know it is a challenge that's a it's a great point and they feel like they can get that ironed out and um you know a few other things uh obviously utah had made 182 consecutive pats until that miss so that that speaks highly to the kickers they've had in the past and you know missing that chip shot field goal probably not going to matter the next two weeks if they uh, you know if they still need to iron that stuff out but pack 12 play you're going to need every point you can get and put on the board. So quickly, guys, what are your thoughts on BYU? Are they, the Cougs going to be okay? They've got an interesting game at Tennessee this week. Uh, looks like they should win it. Was BYU uh, time to push the panic button down there, or do you guys feel like they're a good enough team to, to get to a bowl game? I mean, I, I they lost to a, a 
top ten team, so it's hard to. I don't. I don't think it's a panic button loss for them. I, I think some things are are alarming. I don't think their offense was nearly as crisp as it could be. But you know, you're going against one of the best defenses in the nation at the same point right. at the same time. But this is a tough start. We knew coming in that this was going to be a big challenge. Tennessee doesn't look like they're going to be as good as we had anticipated. So that might be a good chance for them to. to start turning things around. Mike, your thoughts on the Cougs? I think they're going to be pretty good, but I think that loss, you know, last week for Tennessee obviously is a negative for them because, um, you know, you can say, okay, Tennessee's not very good, but there's so many times when teams play the first week and they're, you never know what they're going to do. And then if they lose, they, you know, they could just be like a huge wake-up call for them and they'll they'll be determined not to lose this week. And maybe if they'd have won easy last week, they'd have kind of said, yeah, we can beat BYU too. Now, these guys, you know, if they lose two home games, in front of those 100,000 people that are there. I mean, it could be a disaster for Tennessee, and they're an SEC team. Right. So I wouldn't say that BYU has a, should expect to win. It's going to be a tough win, and if they get it, it'll be a good win. Good That'd win. be a fun place to go watch a football game, by the way. Yeah, it would be. Well, guys, just a reminder, we are sponsored by the good folks at Mr. Mac, and now is the time to get an unbelievable deal on men's long-wearing fashion-forward suits on sale at all Mr. Mac stores. If you're thinking that they've had good prices before, brace yourself. Jody, buy one suit at two ninety nine and get the second one for just a dollar. Last week you made a good point. I'll buy the two ninety nine one and you'll get the dollar one. Sweet. If you can pull that off, that's a good deal. But guess what? <laughs> I don't have two hundred ninety nine dollars. But uh, hey, my 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 nephew just came back from mission wearing his Mister Mac suits, looking sharp. Well, I think you have they to hold take him up. into the store and tell him you never got the dollar suit. And get that. <laughs> so that's right, folks. For two, Buy one suit for two ninety nine, get the second for a dollar. Mr. Mack has worked with a leading manufacturer on a special purchase of over 5,000 suits in a wide range of sizes, colors, and fit. Come check out the latest fashion colors and patterns on sale now at Mr. Mac. With suit sizes starting at 36 and going up to size 56, it's an unbeatable value on classic or slim fit suits. Now while supplies last at Mr. Mac, buy one suit for $2.99, get the second for just a dollar. Remember, no one buys, no one sells, and no one cares the way we do. Absolutely no one. I thank our sponsor, Mr. Mack. Back to the little football, guys. Let's look ahead to Northern Illinois, a rare early game for the Utes, kicking off at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Mike, you like the, the early thing? And will be uh, the Utes are going to have their team meal at 7.45 a.m. I imagine breakfast is on the docket. Yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of different to have that. It re- reminds me of... Uh Back in the day, when you, before you guys were born, I covered a game in 1983. Uh, Utah played Wyoming. And I wish it, that was the case. It started at, at 10 a.m., and I thought, my heavens, it was because it was a nationally televised game. Back then, that was a huge deal because they, you know now, every, now everybody's on television, but back then they weren't. So that's why they had to play at 10 o'clock. And by 11 o'clock, Utah had scored, um, I believe it was seven touchdowns. They beat Wyoming 69-14. to 14. So Wyoming missed their wake-up call, and Utah just killed them. They came out passing. So that was kind of a, my memory when I think about these early games that well it's been earlier so we can handle this 11 o'clock game but I think it's it's kind of tough for the fans you know I mean you want to tailgate and I guess you have to get up super early for that and but as far as us we love it because we can do our jobs and go watch a few more games if we want the rest of the day plus you know Joe uh, I wouldn't mind if we're, we park our cars and a few tailgaters off with some free bacon or something <laughs> on the way yeah, maybe get some uh, fruit, from some fruit Loops that would be good too um, Jody there last year Northern Illinois uh, gave Utah a battle. The score was 17-6, to but I think it was a late defensive touchdown that allowed Utah to kind of ice the game finally. 
they're expecting a tough battle. NIU is, for a mid-major, they're a pretty solid program, and I, I believe they did beat the guys down south as well. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't expect too close of a game, honestly. I, I think the youths were still trying to find themselves early last year. Northern Illinois struggled against uh, Illinois State. They needed a comeback, so I, I don't know. I, I expect this to be a, a good tune-up game for, for the Utes. And, uh, uh, tune-up for Idaho State the next week. Right. Those yeah, Bengals, you get, they're tough. Exactly. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is not exactly murderer's row the next couple weeks for Utah. Well, and the Huskies have a new head coach, so things are different. You know, uh, previous regime, you know, built that into a tough little program. And uh, I say little because they're, you know, not financed, obviously, like a Power Five. But they've done some good things over the years. But I kind of agree with you. I think this uh, the gap will really show in this one. Um, and one more difference will sure. be the fact that, you know, last year, you know, Troy Tater, I don't want to, you know, get on his back. But last year, you know, Moss only ran the ball 16 times against those guys. They just were early in the year. They weren't using him like they should have. And he went to the passing game and they passed as much as they ran last year, pretty much. Utah had 68 yards of rushing. And maybe that's probably the reason they struggled with them because they were, they just weren't going to the run game. So I would expect you'll see a lot of Moss this year. And then if he can't do it, they can turn to the passing game. But we'll, we'll see a different game plan, I, I would think. All right. Guys, let's jump into the over to the Pac-12 real quick. Oregon missed a chance versus Auburn. Jody, how devastating was that for the Pac-12's national uh reputation this year. Are they going to get written off like they were a year ago when Washington lost Auburn? Probably. I, I I can't remember which player it was for Auburn, but he basically said we we couldn't lose to a team that's from the Pac-12 and he just, you know, we're an SEC team and we're not going to lose to those chumps basically. So I I don't that that's a tough loss. That's those are the games that you really need to win early on to to establish some some credibility and say, "Hey, we're back and and but, you know, it, all is not lost, you know, but uh, it would have been nice to get that W. I don't think it was disastrous. In fact, that Auburn, in fact, was favored in that game. People don't realize they were three-and-a-half-point favorites, so it wasn't like, you know, everybody expected them. But the thing was, Oregon, you're up by 15 points in the third quarter, and you let the game get away from you and let them score 21 straight or whatever they did, and they had a chance to put it away. So that the way they lost it was bad. But as far as on the, if you look at the whole scheme of things, they're, they're ranked almost the same, but it is a national perception that the Pac-12 is not as good as the SEC. And so that that's probably where it really hurts him. What about USC? Last quarterback, JT Daniels. USC uh, projected to be a team that would give Utah its biggest battle for the South Division title. Is that huge, Mike? Does that pretty much assure Utah? I know there's a lot of football left to play, but can you write USC off now without Daniels? No, they still have a great team, a lot of great players. But, you know, the thing is, he was, a, I guess, a sophomore. He started as a freshman. And their backup last year was at Sears, who came in at in the, the Utah game. Portal. And now he's transferring, so now they got to go to another freshman to start. So that that really, I think, it's going to hurt their depth there. So I think it's going to hurt them in the long run. And I don't know how deep their quarterback situation is after that, you know. But to have to have a freshman now come in, you know, start basically play the whole season, that's going to hurt them. And I, you know, that they they could, uh, you know, I'm not saying BYU and Utah are going to roll over them now, but it's going to make it a little more difficult for, for USC. Well, I but, they, I mean, this is the Pac-12. I mean, one of the things that we talk about all the time with these Power 5 conferences is their depth. And so if you're a backup quarterback at USC, then obviously you're, you know, they're thought highly of and, and could right. be capable well, of, of doing well. Offered to, he hasn't transferred anywhere yet. He's in the portal, and he's offered to come back and help. So, Means to be seen, they may bring him back. I don't think it, you know, by the time they play Utah, a lot of things can happen. So who knows? Maybe we'll see Jack Sears again. Um, guys, uh, I think it's time to 
Turn this over to Mr. Tom Barberi. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five. We'd like to once again thank Mr. Mack for sponsoring this podcast. On this week's Utah by Five, we are focusing on, of course, the Holy War, Utah versus BYU. We're going to go with Utah. It's the 100th matchup. Uh, BYU doesn't account for the BYU Academy games, but we're the Utes do. So the 100th matchup and the Utah by Five this week, the first item was a fun wager between Utah County Commissioner Tanner Age, yes, Michelle's son, for those who are wondering, he started a rivalry debate on Twitter uh, when he playfully suggested a wager with Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson. So if BYU were to win, he was going to have her wear blue and and feed him and his staff uh, lunch at one of the uh, Utah County meetings. As it turned out, he's going to owe the Salt Lake County Commission, uh, Salt Lake County Council, uh, breakfast, and he's going to wear red. So we're hoping that Commissioner Ainge looks good in red. Uh, the the fun part about that story on Twitter, uh, the Salt Lake County Library uh, Twitter account stepped into it and said, in light of the coming football season, we feel it necessary to recap recent history. And now that uh, it's going to need to be updated, but since 2010, BYU is 0-8 against Utah, now 0-9. Also since 2010, BYU is 5-4 against Utah State. Remind us again what the definition of a rivalry is. That was the question the Salt Lake uh, <laughs> Library Twitter account asked, which my question is, shouldn't a librarian know where a dictionary is? I, I, don't, I don't know. But that, let's move on to number two. Two-star NFL players got into the, the pre-Holy War fun on Twitter. BYU's Kyle Van Noy tweeted out, I didn't get to church because I got work, but expletive. Tisk, tisk, Kyle. If I was at church, you know I'd be praying for a win. Here comes the 4-0 talk. I don't care. Stand up, Cougs Nation. Y'all better grind this week. I'll do the talking. Y'all work. Utah's Eric Weddle chimed in to Kyle Van Noy saying, praying won't help my brother. Sorry, guys. Turns out Eric knows best. So I I, I would suggest you continue to praying, but uh, maybe for more worthy things than a football victory. Number three, the Utah-BYU game was listed as one of the three can't-miss Pac-12 non-conference games by the Arizona Daily Star. The other two were, uh, you know, I like this quote, actually, before we get to the other two. It doesn't get the attention of the Apple Cup, Civil War, Territorial Cup, or a big game, but the Utes and Cougars have a rivalry that makes the term bitter seem mild. And the other two were Oregon-Auburn, which uh, almost lived up to its hype for the Ducks. They were right there. And Oklahoma-UCLA were uh, was another Pac-12 game to watch. Number four, the BYU-Utah rivalry game isn't just a fun game on a local level. It's garnered tension outside of the Beehive State as well. The Washington Post called it one of college football's underrated rivalries. Bleacher Report ranked at number 25 on its top 25 all-best rivalry games list and also called it underrated. And Athlon Sports has at number 14 on its rivalry rivalry rankings and noted the Holy War might be the best name for any rivalry in the nation. I know we at the Desert News don't love the Holy War moniker as an organization, but I personally love it. Uh, And number five, with the college football opening up on a large scale last weekend, the USA Today also noted that the Utah-BYU game was one of the top best games to watch with this quote, a rivalry win for Utah would set the Utes on pace for a torrid start that could put them on the path to playoff contention. After BYU, the Utes have just one tough road game at USC on September 20th until heading to Washington on November 2nd. Meanwhile, Utah is the first test in BYU's daunting stretch to open the year. Utah, Tennessee, and then back home for USC and Washington. So that's our top five, uh, Utah by five this week. 
Be sure to uh, subscribe to the newsletter at Deseret.com slash sports. Uh, we have a lot of great newsletters for Utah, BYU, and one coming up for the Jazz. Folks, thanks again for listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. As a reminder, you can get us wherever fine podcasts are found. I encourage you to listen. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week.